You know, I grew up in the church. It has always been a, a vital part of my life. Some of my earliest memories are from uh, spending time in the church nursery, the years spent in Sunday school, youth groups, mission trips, church camps, worship in itself. The church has shaped who I am, what I believe. You know, some of the most loving people I've ever known, I've met in the church. Now, that's not to say I've met some challenging people in the church too, but that's, that's the way it is with any organization. But the church is so much more, so much more than an organization. The church is the best hope for the world. Let me say it again even more boldly. The church is the best hope for the world. Do you believe it? We remember the words of Jesus as Simon Peter proclaims that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And how does Jesus respond? That on this truth, Jesus will build the church and that the gates of hell will not prevail. After Jesus ascends into heaven, we read in the book of Acts, God pouring his spirit out on those first disciples at Pentecost, and the church was born. From that small beginning, the church has spread throughout the world, and the church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God in order to love and glorify the Father, God. That's what the church is. Today, you know, the church is the best hope for the world. Today, always. But only when it remembers who it is and what its mission is. Only when it remembers that the, the church, it isn't a place to gather, but a people empowered by the Spirit of God to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Today, we'll finish our Crossroads series. This series is focused on the primary questions we believe are creating a divide within the United Methodist Church. These questions are, in essence, creating a crossroads moment. The manner in which we answer these questions determine the path we take. When faced with a crossroads, there is no middle option. You know, over the past two weeks, we've discussed the biblical answers for two important questions that we have been looking at in this series. Uh, the first question, who is Jesus? And the second question, what is the authority of Scripture? How do we interpret it? And today we're finishing the series by answering the question, what is the purpose of the church? As I said before, the answer to this question is crucial. How we answer this question will determine how we operate as a church. It determines our values, how we make decisions, who we welcome. The list goes on and on. You know, and there are some in the United Methodist denomination, especially in our leadership, who would say that the, the purpose of the church is social justice only. In other words, the primary reason for the church's existence is to respond to the needs of, of the world around us. They would say the church's primary purpose is to feed the hungry, respond to natural disasters, provide medicine for those who can't afford it, etc. I would agree. These are wonderful examples of what the church can and should be doing. Absolutely. Unfortunately, many would say that this is where the church stops. They have forgotten the why behind the what. When asking ourselves what the primary purpose of the church should be, I think it would be wise to look for answers from the one who is the head of the church, Jesus Christ. In Matthew 22, we read about an account when an expert in the law tried to test Jesus by asking him the question, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know, if Jesus is stating that these are the two greatest commandments in all of Scripture, that all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments, I believe it is clear that helping people obey these commandments is and should be one of the primary purposes of the church. The primary purpose of the church is, is not social justice the way it is today defined. It is social holiness. Social justice can create a context in which relationships are built that enable the gospel to be shared. Social justice can even be a way in which, and it should be a way in which the church communicates uh, that it is loving others and loving the world. But it cannot be the goal in of, a, of itself. The primary purpose of the church is not social justice. It is social holiness. Social justice can create a context in which relationships are built that enable the gospel to be shared. Social justice can even be a way in which the church communicates that Jesus loves all the people of the world. But, but social justice cannot be the goal in and of itself. The church has to do more than simply meet the external needs of people. The church's primary purpose is social holiness. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, he also believed that the primary purpose of the church was, was social holiness. And I quote, Solitary religion is not to be found there. Holy solitaries is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. The gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. Faith working by love is the length and breadth and depth and height of Christian perfection. You know, many have reinterpreted this term social holiness into an idea of social justice, but that's not what Wesley meant. In the context of the time that Wesley wrote, he, he was writing about the purpose of the church, that the church is a community of believers who together transform the world. It, it isn't a solitary religion, but a communal faith. Kevin Watson, who's both an author and an assistant professor of Wesleyan Methodist Studies, he elaborates on what Wesley was trying to communicate. He says this, and I quote, In this context, Wesley is explicitly rejecting holy solitaries or the attempt to become holy in isolation from Christians, and he is insisting on the importance of community for becoming Christ-like. It seems to me that when Wesley was says social holiness, what he means is that we do not grow in our relationship with God. We do not become holy by ourselves. John Wesley is clear that God designed the church, us, to be a necessary community in which we help each other pursue the holy life that God is calling us to. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1.16 This reality means that the most loving thing we can do is help someone be holy. So what does a holy life look like? Good question. A, a holy life will be built on obedience to the first and second great commandments of Scripture. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Now, Another crossroads moment that we must discern is how to define what it looks like to love God and to love our neighbor. Again, there are those in our denomination that would say loving someone means they, that we accept them as they are. Now, and then they stop. They're, they're partly correct. This is where how we answer question two from last week comes into play. If we believe that Scripture has the final authority, if we believe Scripture is God-breathed, then we must allow Scripture to define what it means to love God and love our neighbor. 
So according to scripture, what does it mean to love God? If you love me, you will keep my commandments, John 14, 15. If you are my friend, if you do what I command you, John 15, 14. I think those are great scriptures to memorize. Loving God means obeying the commandments of scripture, primarily the first and second greatest commandments. You love God by submitting our lives to growing in holiness or Christ-likeness. According to scripture, what does it look like to love one another? 1 John 4, 19 through 21 says this, We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate a brother or sister are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment that we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. According to 1 John 4, the pattern in which Jesus loved us is the same way we are to love one another. This, this is once again a crossroads moment. How did Jesus love us? Jesus loves us where we are, but he never intends to leave us where we are. The most loving thing you can do is to help someone become holy. At times, this might seem uncomfortable or unenjoyable for you or for the person you are trying to help become holy, but this is the purpose. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, warns us, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You know, the most loving thing you can do is help someone be holy. I'm a part of a, a Wesley band. It's just a group of uh, two other men that we meet weekly, and, and they get to speak into my life. They get to wound me, in a sense. They call me out so many times when I'm wrong. And, uh, but it's what our calling is, because they love me. They want me to be better. They want me to do better. And, and that's... That's so important. They get to speak life into me. And sometimes speaking life into me can be painful. But that's just the way it is. But this is the purpose there. You know, the most loving thing you can do is to help someone be holy. Article 11 of the Confession of Faith in our UMC Book of Discipline describes holiness or sanctification this way. Uh, entire sanctification is a state of perfect love, righteousness, and true holiness, which every regenerate believer may be by being delivered from the power of sin, by loving God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, and by loving one's neighbor as oneself. Though faith in Jesus Christ, this through faith in Jesus Christ, this gracious gift may be received in this life, both gradually and instantaneously, and should be sought earnestly by every child of God. Did you catch that last part? It should be sought earnestly by every child of God. The church is the, the family of God. If we are going to pursue holiness, it must be through that social connection and community that the church provides. We can't do it alone. The primary purpose of the church is social holiness, that we do this together. We are the church together, loving God and loving others. I want to close by reading a beautiful description of how God intended for the church to operate. It's found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. You've probably heard this text before. Says this, he himself granted that some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of faith and the knowledge in the Son of God, to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head 
to Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. It's a great word of what we are as the church. He's each being gifted, working together to help those to become holy. That's our purpose. Yes, we accept people where they are, but we invite them into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ where Jesus helps them to become holy, where we together love each other so that we can be holy. Absolutely, we do social justice, but it is in response to what Jesus has done in us. That's the purpose behind it, and that's who we are as a church. So uh, I encourage you, if, uh, if you are not connected to a church, to get connected. If you're a part of our church, we're so glad that you're here. We encourage you to, to be the body of Christ together, to, to be in worship on Sunday if you can, or to watch us online. Let us know you're there as well. But I just want to leave us with a prayer. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had together. Help us to truly be the church in the world that, that loves you first, that accepts people where they are, but calls them to become holy as you are holy. Lord, in this crossroads moment that we are at, help us to choose you, to stand firm in you, and all that we do. We love you and we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Go in peace.